0: Welcome to Globally Speaking, a podcast about connecting with global audiences. Globally Speaking is designed to explore the challenges involved in breaking down language and communication barriers. Our hosts and guests, thought leaders and industry experts, discuss their experiences on a range of topics relating to content, communication, and customer engagement. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another edition of RWS's globally speaking podcast. I'm your host for this session, Andrew Thomas, senior marketer at RWS. And today I'm honored to be joined by Paul McCabe, who is the vice president of global customer experience at Roland, which um, is a very impressive title. And we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but as always, we're going to focus in on theme that we've been discussing for a while, which is about how companies and organizations unlock global understanding. But first and foremost, I would love it, Paul, if you could take a moment to introduce yourself and introduce your company.
1: Sure. My pleasure. So as you say, Paul McCabe, and my role is with, uh, I work directly with Roland Corporation Japan. I, I live with my family, uh, just South of Los Angeles, but, um, my role is with Roland Corporation Japan um, i'm in the global customer experience department and we have all kinds of different focuses under the under the umbrella of cx but right now our primary focuses are on the post purchase experience uh, of the customer um, so once they've purchased a roland a boss or a vmoda uh, product that we make sure that everything about that purchase is beyond what their their expectations were in terms of satisfaction and uh, that they're able to get the necessary resources to understand the instrument and uh, yeah, just get the most of it. And then we're also uh, very interested in the voice of the customer as well. And then making sure that that is brought in in a way that is really applicable to product development and product planning and all of our messaging as well. Roland, the company, we are 50 years young. This is actually, we're in our 50th anniversary year which concludes in 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 april thank you we're a we're a, a japanese company but uh, global in our nature our specialization is electronic musical instruments and production equipment and digital video products if you don't know the brand you've probably heard the sounds before uh roland instruments um were at the core of the genesis of music genres like hip-hop. We made a drum machine called the 808 or the TR-808. There's been songs written, books uh, written, movies made about the the 808. Boss guitar pedals are used by you know famous guitar players all around the world and have been done so for more than 40 years. And so, yeah, very fortunate that our brand has been able to influence music and music culture for more than five decades now.
0: Yeah, and I, I have to admit, um, total uh, disclaimer here, I personally, I didn't make the connection at first when um, I heard that you were going to be on the podcast until I realized I own Roland Equipment. I have a digital drum set. I uh, kind of midlife crisis, decided I wanted to get into drumming and I'm I'm complete rubbish at it. I'm not any good yet, but uh, it's great at the end of a stressful day to just go in there and bang the heck out of some uh, pads that also don't make so much noise that drives my wife crazy because I can just put my headphones on and I can just go to town and it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that.
1: <laughs> well, I, I thank you. I, you're welcome. I thank you uh, for being a Roland fan and Roland customer. And there's a virtual fist bump coming across uh, the podcast here right now. And, and truthfully, and not to digress on this, but we... As a company, we've believed for all of our history that when you get a chance to be creative in life, it's part of being just a, an overall healthy human being. And our focus is on music and video, uh, but uh, we're really, really committed to introducing people all around the world to uh, to music making. We think it's a, obviously a wonderful pastime. And if it becomes a profession, that's all that much more fun, but uh, for most of us, it's just a way to, you know, feel good on a Thursday afternoon and sometimes connect with other people through music as well. So,
0: Absolutely. Love it. I think it's great. I think um, it's awesome that one of the things I think that's actually, I know it's a little bit of a side, but I really love how specifically these kinds of instruments, uh, I really think kind of democratize the access for a lot of people, right? Like, it, which is great, because as you say, like, Anybody that has an interest can get into it and um, and have some fun with it. I think that's wonderful. Um, but to talk a little bit about today's topic, since we are, a, you know, it's a localization podcast and we're talking about global understanding. I did just want to quickly ask you just to kind of level mm-hmm. set for the audience. What is your current like localization ecosystem? What is the mix of technology and services that you use to ensure that, the content that you're involved in at least gets out to the customers in the right languages.
1: Sure. Well, and, and yes, I can briefly describe what our, what our stack, if you will, looks like uh, right now. And, and uh, presumably you'll be interested in the journey for how, how we got here because uh, RWS and Language Weaver were integral uh, to kind of nurturing us along that journey as well. But we, um, where we are now is the culmination of more than a year of, of research and study and trial and evaluation and um, joy and frustration and uh, all the things that go into um, you know building something completely new in a global organization, but uh, we now have a centralized, common uh, uh, translation localization technology stack where Language Weaver is the integral neural machine. Translation layer uh, to that we've got a a, a cat tool a TMS uh, as well um, and a couple of little bolt-on uh, bits and pieces to, to tune the stack for specific applications. But uh, really, at the center of it is is, is language Weaver.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because I actually think that's an interesting shift. Um, and obviously, we love to talk about our own products, but of course, we recognize that. Most platforms involve lots of different technologies from lots of different providers. That's that's not at all unusual. Um, but what I do find interesting about what you just said there is that I see a lot. I got into the local industry a long time ago and saw really the emergence of TMSs. Like CAT tools were there when I got in, and then you saw TMSs kind of emerge after that. And it wasn't until neural MT came along that machine translation became kind of came out of the back office and into the front office of the Loke stack, if you will. And it's interesting that you're, what you're describing, because I see this shift with a lot of bigger companies where even if you still have the CAT tools and the TMS as part of your infrastructure, they are making this kind of mental shift of MT being at the heart of it and building that structure around the MT rather than Back in the old days, you would have bolted the MT onto the TMS or the CAT tool, and so I, it, it's an interesting shift. Um, and so you mentioned the, the 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 process that you guys went through in assessing what you needed. So because I see that shift in other companies, I'm curious as to how you came to that conclusion. Like when you're thinking about what tools you needed, just categorically, what were you looking for, and how did you come to that conclusion?
1: Yeah, and and it's that's a great question. We to be very clear. I'm not a localization expert. My background in the company was, was and is our technologies, our instruments, our products, our customers communicating uh, to them, and that's obviously uh, key uh, in this conversation too. And um, I was in a conversation in a meeting in Roland Japan, clearly just prior to the outset of the pandemic. So this would have been sometime maybe the fall of 2019, and really. I would say a very wise officer in the company uh, when we were in the strategy meeting this global strategy meeting had raised the subject of translation and I think we were probably preparing budgets for the for the ensuing year and uh, this gentleman was scrutinizing the the translation the localization budget and he without knowing anything about this realm he just had a very strong intuitive sense probably driven by the fact that there was nobody else really talking about this subject uh, at an executive level in the company that this was probably an area that could be invested in that the number he was looking at either one might be more than what it could be if we were more progressive or that there's more that we could be doing with that same number if this was an area that we invested in and you know, the, well, the way I tell the story now, because it's more entertaining, is he started talking about it, and everybody else looked down at their notebooks, and I was, i made eye contact, and so <laughs> the the the, the I'm, a Can- I'm Canadian, so I'll say the hockey puck was passed across the ice to me, and uh, and at first, uh, you know, GCX was just in its very uh, global customer experience was in its infancy. Uh, for us and in fact the department hasn't even been formed yet it was still a a conversation and for a moment i wrestled with the the fit uh with all the other things that that i expected that we would be doing in cx then of course i quickly resolved to the fact that well i mean geez localization is all about communicating and communicating effectively is at the core of a great customer experience so check i got it let's let's go and uh then I, I, mean, I started doing my own research and, and and just trying to understand basic terminology, vendors, basic technologies uh, that were at play uh, in this realm. Realized that it was a very sophisticated, quickly evolving space, and that I was at the know nothing stage. And so the train was moving quickly, so had to run quickly. We assembled. I opted to assemble uh, a global task team. Of people that were working in translation, active in translation across the company. And uh, we started meeting, uh, me being in Los Angeles, I had Europeans on the call and Japanese on the call. So it was a couple of times a month. Always fun scheduling that. <laughs> well, yeah, 11 p.m. at night, local time for me. Um, and uh, that's at a time where I'm still trying to translate thoughts to simple English uh, by that point. And so, let, let alone uh, localizing to multiple languages. But uh, we started meeting and came up with a basic framework for a progression for the project. but the first thing was that we needed to understand what we looked like uh, relative to translation. Um, there was nothing centralized, so um, but there was a lot of translation going on. So uh, our first steps were to audit um, and understand what was in place. And needless to say, there was a diversity of, of different tools, almost completely dependent on human translation. There was, you know, other other than the assistance that you would get from the TMS and the CAT tools uh, that were being used. There was there there wasn't a, uh, um, a concerted centralized effort to invest in machine translation, neural machine translation. So, and at that point, I didn't. I, I had a sense that that was where we were going to go, but I didn't know that for sure because we were still learning. Uh, so uh, after the audit, we then swept back around and 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 started asking questions about pain points uh we assumed that speed and cost were were going to come up pretty commonly and, and, and always they did yeah, yeah always yep. did but were there other things were there you know re- requests for localization to languages that we just we couldn't get to for economic reasons or resource reasons or, or whatever were there particular um, output mediums that we were struggling to address uh because of our current approaches and the technology that we're using. And, and over several weeks, we built an understanding of uh, essentially, um, yeah, the pain points. And if we were to make changes, what the must have, not features yet, but business capabilities, right? Your, exactly. The yeah, capabilities, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, and And so we broke that down into the must haves, should haves, could haves, and kind of don't needs. And built a document. And then we, I, I just, I, I was going to say, pick up the phone, because that that's very visual. But of course, I didn't do that. I started sending emails, uh, visiting websites, you know, you know, Google searching, visiting websites, trying to find the big names in the space, going through the acquisition funnel. For um which was always oh fun. yeah that's when uh, that's, that's when us marketers
0: different- get involved and we start spamming you and then the sales guys start calling you and all that fun stuff
1: absolutely <laughs> and and I will um I I'm, I'm going to bookmark that comment because uh, there's something directly related to language Weaver that's a very positive that I i will I do want to come back to but uh, in any case we then started scheduling demos and when we could we would get somebody to join us at eleven o'clock at night so everybody in the task team could join and if not we would split them into east and west we would do a couple of them or we would do one and then the and then the group that took in the demo would share and of course the demo the the the, the demos or the presentations by these different vendors really serve multiple purposes they uh needless to say they they introduced a brand to us that we were unfamiliar with they introduced the basic proposal the 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 offering and any of the unique differentiation which of course we couldn't yet fully appreciate because we were new to even making the comparisons but we were using those as an opportunity to learn the vernacular to to start to build a deeper understanding of the technology uh you know i've i've always encouraged and certainly i've always tried to be um, very forthright with moments where i don't understand uh and asking questions for fear of, you know, revealing my ignorance or my naivety on a topic, but I'd rather that than proceed on an assumption and then end up, you know, completely confused. And so we asked lots of big questions, Uh, you know, what what is neural machine translation? What's its relationship with AI? Where's the crossover there? How does um, how does statistical machine translation you know, differ from neural machine translation, and what's been that journey, and and uh, and so learning, but then also beginning to understand who was really confident in that discussion as well. And uh, anyway, uh, that led to a short list of vendors that we thought, okay, you know this this looks like some technologies that we're interested in. We'd also one important step, which I still uh, use this piece when discussing and training people on our translation stack uh, to this day is we took all of the jobs to be done with regards to translation that we could identify uh, and we kind of put them in a bucket and then we would pull each one out and we would we would place it into one of three kind of high-level workflows that we'd envisioned. Uh, with With all of this technology in place, we imagined that there would still be jobs to be done that were primarily Dependent on the human in the loop, they might get an assist as we get right now from the cap tool. But it's you know a critical legal document, you know a disclosure to shareholders, um, safety documentation. Just where there is just absolutely no margin for error. And and so we put those in one tier. We imagined a second tier, which the technology didn't exist in the company yet. But this is where we started to benefit from neural machine translation, where we imagined that. NMT would do a first pass on a document, and then humans would be involved in various stages of post-edit and approval. But then we did identify some some jobs to be done that we felt that where, uh, and, and specifically we're talking about communications where time is of the essence, and specifically people coming to us for product support, where understanding is critical, But speed is essential. You know, if people can understand an answer, they'll gladly take something in 10 minutes rather than 10 hours when a human being can get back uh, uh, to them. And so we imagined that there were some jobs to be done around touch points like product support that might actually completely be um, uh, managed by NMT. And so we built this kind of a a map uh, of all these jobs to be done and these three workflows and that's how we be, we began to socialize. But we would also kind of put that in front of these vendors and and you know tell us where we're wrong here. You know tell us where our expectations might not align and and uh, align and, and strengthened that. But uh, so then, then we we set into tests. We we started evaluating tools and uh, Language Weaver. Uh, although I'd been really impressed with the teams that we'd met with. Uh, back to the marketing subject for for, for a moment. Of all of the vendors that we looked at, and this is going to sound patronizing. this is, this is straight up of all of the vendors that we that we looked at, the story that Language Weaver told through their marketing. First of all, it was it was engaging. I was drawn in to a subject that I wasn't invested in yet. I was drawn in. and and uh, I want I was interested in how Language Weaver was educating me on the history of this technology, the origins origins of it, rather. And then progressively uh, nurturing me along on a path of understanding. And then we did when we kind of came out of that and came out of the digital and started to meet human beings. I, I mean, I, the the people that we met were were warm, uh, friendly, caring, really aligned with the brand, and were just always asking questions and reflecting a a real sense of care about what we were saying and. That really impressed itself uh, upon us. So naturally, when we started the trials, we didn't start with Language Weaver. Um, we 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 we'd, uh, we 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 had we started some trials with a couple of other vendors, and indeed came very close to selecting another solution, another NMT solution. But in the, I would say the last mile, <laughs> a phrase from this world, uh, the last mile uh of uh, of the process with this other vendor i we we started to experience i don't want to say a lack of care but not the same level of care from the company that i felt that we'd already experienced with language weaver and so we actually came out of that trial we're ready to to write a contract and 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 uh, and i put the pause on it and i got the team together and i said you know we need to go through this process with language weaver and we did and very thankful that we did, because you know not only did the did the platform prove itself out, but the people continued to to be alongside us and support us and and care for us as they do to this day. And uh, and so that we came out of that and negotiated uh, an agreement with uh with Language Weaver.
0: Well, I'll be sure to pass that along to those guys. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear it. I'm sure they have heard it from you directly, but it's always nice to hear that. But uh, a couple of things that you said during that breakdown which was really great that I want to circle back on one I do think it is to your point about the the story that was told it is interesting how so many people uh, talk about AI today but don't realize how machine translation has basically been AI all along it's just that the rest of the world has caught up to what translators have been doing for quite some time you know we've been embracing AI in all of its iterations over the years. And neural is just one of the latest iterations, right? And so I always find that fascinating. And I think it's interesting. It's always interesting to me when the world catches up to something that you already know is a good thing.
1: <laughs> and Yeah, well, and, absolutely. Yeah. And I would have had no idea if it weren't for the narrative uh, that was told through the marketing of of Language Weaver, you know, going back to uh iconic and whatnot and and kind of bringing me along that 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 journey and yeah even even just the simple differentiation between statistical and nmt and how nmt at at the time that we were in the conversation was really two to three years in and that that actually was I, i i should mention too another really critical thing was that needless to say as we evaluated lots of different vendors and there was some great presentations and some really compelling advantages that one would offer over another. I recognized, uh, and the team recognized that this uh, technology uh, was advancing so rapidly that um, it, it was a bit of a you know bit of hopscotch going on. I mean, we we could choose a platform, and then tomorrow one of the platforms that we looked at might take a jump ahead and and, and offer something uh, you know quality estimation or something like that. That that was oh boy, it'd be great to have that, but then likely another platform would jump ahead again as well. And and that was going to be kind of a perpetual reality in the space. And so back to the people uh, and the company, we decided that really probably at the center of our decision, whatever that decision was going to be, ultimately Language Weaver, we needed to choose a company that put us on the right tracks, that investing in a company that was R&D focused, I mean, like like Roland has been for 50 years, uh, at the very technology-driven, uh, R&D-focused, invested in advancing the technology on their own, and sensitive to the needs of the market around them, and responding to that through advancements in the platform. That getting the right partner in place meant that oh, there might be, you know, we might go three or four months feeling like we're missing out on a particular feature. But over the longer haul, we were in the right place with the right partners. And and, uh, and that was really what drew us back uh, to language we were.
0: I imagine that so much of that, it, that intuitively makes sense to me, given your specific role and focus on customer experience, like you, you natively understand the importance of relationships and making sure, because I, I assume, and this is what I'd love to turn to, is get a bit more into customer experience that's what you're focused on is ensuring that Roland has that same kind of connection with your customers and and it's and how important that is to an overall experience as you say whether or not you have the latest technology at some level it's about the relationship more than anything else so i wanted to just i want to dig in a little bit about customer experience from your perspective and i also want to bring in something else that you mentioned before about It was about the immediacy of taking a pure MT approach with some of your content. Cause I assume, I assume those two connect in the sense that part of delivering a good customer experience is being able to immediately respond to a customer need in the moment and having a tool that allows you to do that. So, first and foremost, can you tell us a little bit about your perspective on customer experience? What keeps you awake at night when it comes to that? Any anecdotes of problems that you encounter with customer experience and how you overcome them?
1: What keeps me awake at night? Um, Well, the needs of the customer are very dynamic. They're, they're always changing. So recognizing that there's a tension in that, uh, that that there's such a dynamic element to the, yeah, the wants and needs, the desires of the customer. And there's uh, as a, premium brand or a family of premium brands in our realm and electronic musical instruments and digital video there's a very reasonable expectation that the quality of the experience with the brand is going to align with the quality of the products themselves and if there's one thing that keeps me up at night it's the tension that, that exists in that statement because our products, uh, and, and with you know all the thanks to our designers and engineers and visionaries that have been and left the company and and continue to inspire people to be creative. Our products are of extraordinary quality and reflect extraordinary innovation, and so the bar is really, really high. And you know, certainly where we started on this journey, you know, despite the you know at times heroic efforts of many, many people. Uh, across the company it was a real challenge to meet expectations both in terms of the granularity of our localization the speed to market with communications and probably not so much the quality because we were a human being dependent and and so the translators the linguists that were the humans in our loop were you know uh, were specialists in our space and specialists in their language but but i would say yeah in answer to your question what what keeps me up at night is you know i'm, I'm not, that that will be a perpetual goal that's our north star is to continue to strive to match the quality uh, with the experience
0: well and, and by the way this is almost a universal truth amongst any localization consumer out there any businesses pretty much universally. I I was waiting for that quality word earlier when you talked about when you guys were first assessing, you know, cost and speed. Quality is the other big one, right? And everybody is assessing how quickly can I get something into the appropriate language while controlling my costs and maintaining my quality. And that is pretty universal, but I, I hear you that when you are a premier brand, you want to ensure that the quality matches the customer expectation because if you don't that has an impact on the customer experience and then of course that then has an impact on the brand and the perception of the brand and um, it's very it's a universal truth with all brands but the more prestigious and premier the brand i think the more pressure there is to deliver that quality expectation so yeah it's we hear that a lot absolutely (laughs) then just out of curiosity i mean so, if quality and consistency of that quality is what matters overall, what do you think I did kind of want to circle back when you mentioned first about the the role. It sounded like you had a very it was the post it was kind of a post sales orientation, but you know as somebody who's been in marketing for a long time, I know that customer experience is very broad, right? You can sometimes be focused on there's plenty of marketers that are focused on c x and then there's plenty of support people that are focused on CX. And in reality, like uh, the companies that I think are the most advanced that are doing this right, do kind of look at it at a higher level and think about it across the entire customer journey. And you had mentioned that even your department was somewhat new. And so for the folks on this podcast, because we have a lot of localization industry listeners who may be less familiar with customer experience, I wonder if you might be able to unpack that a little bit for us about the formation of that team and kind of Roland's approach to customer experience at large and where you focus on the customer journey.
1: Sure. And uh, yeah, to acknowledge the the, the past and the previous statement that you just made. Absolutely. Um, You know, we're, we're we're no different than other than other CX minded organizations uh, and thought leaders. We do recognize that customer experience really is the overarching umbrella that should be the, the, the story, the connective tissue that cuts across everything customer facing. Absolutely. And, and, uh, yes, we, we started with, and we maintain a sweet spot, uh, in our focus on the post-purchase experience, but I'm in conversations daily, weekly with teams of people that are focused on the, those initial touch points. And so that, that could be, uh, the brand websites. It could be our store in stores in different markets around the world. Uh, we've we've just started freestanding uh, stores. We've got a store on Denmark Street in London, a Roland store, which which was our first freestanding uh, Roland store. Uh, then we've got you know teams of of product specialists and representatives that are working in our valued retail network all. All around the world, um, and and so I'm in regular communication with the people whose mind and energies and time are more focused on that part of the customer journey as well. Because, I mean, simply put, an enterprise will necessarily divide CX or marketing. You know, you know, marketing might be divided between retention or acquisition and retention cx pre and post purchase Uh, we need to divide it like that because we need specializations in those different realms but at the end of the day we must always be reminded that we're talking about one customer Uh, and that customer starts over here and then progressively we hope moves from left to right and and uh and converts and ultimately we hope becomes a fan uh but you know, they're not thinking about, oh, now I'm engaging with the post-purchase team. Now I'm in- engaging with the sales and marketing team. It's
0: all just Roland to them.
1: It's Roland. <laughs> it's Boss. It's Vmoda. It's it's DW, our, our, our wonderful uh, drum and percussion brand. So very aware of that. Uh, and there are deliberate, intentional efforts to make sure there's connectivity and consistency. Do we fall down sometimes? I mean, absolutely, because... You know, we make a step forward in one area, and it's and it creates a, a, a lack of continuity with another part of the customer experience. But then that's our opportunity to bring alignment to that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and 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 we're human, and we're and humans. It's funny because being in the language industry, you know, broadly speaking, our entire focus is about communication. And if you do anything involved in communication for any period of time. You understand all the ways in which miscommunication can happen, and uh, I oftentimes think about CX as kind of the broad communication that a company is having with the customer, right? Because as you say, they don't differentiate between the different departments within the company; they see it as one continuous conversation that they're having, or one continuous interaction that they're having with the company. And when it doesn't feel like that, that's when the CX is falling down, and their impression of the brand as being negatively impacted and all those great things. But um, it sounds like, though, that you guys and in, in Roland really decided that CX was really important. and uh, It was important enough to kind of centralize this team and really look at it at this broad level, and then, of course, bringing localization into that. I want to shift now kind of to our the theme across several podcast episodes that we've been talking about, which is unlocking global understanding, because I do see... I think there's a bridge or an overlap here, but uh, I'll leave it to you to tell me if I'm right or wrong about that, which is when you hear a phrase like unlocking global understanding, what does that mean to you? And how do you think Roland accomplishes that or tries to
1: accomplish that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I do understand your intention, but I'm going to practice my my politician here for a moment and say, I hear what you're asking, Good. I got to answer this because I want to say it. <laughs> um, but i do i do i do actually think there's a resonance to what i'm going to say global you know in 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 our phraseology global is a very relative term you know we could talk about global and i think your meaning is global as in world global and different countries and different regions but we can also talk about global as the realm within our own company absolutely you know the the, we have the global corporation and uh, and that's something i I, um Unlocking global understanding. I want to talk from the perspective of the internal organization for a moment, and thinking about that as as global understanding first. And I and I'm I'm going to. This will probably. Um, I don't mind sounding a bit almost foolish that I missed this when we started out in this project. But when we started the project, and we we you know we went through that process that I, I described earlier. I must admit that pretty much my entire focus was communicating outside the walls of our company. And, uh, and so, uh, even, even the the jobs to be done had a real bias towards the outbound communications, communicating with the customers that live outside the company. And it was during the trial of language weaver that the epiphany moment hit because, in the trial, um, uh, yes, we connected uh, the, our, our our trial instance with the very beginnings of trained adaptive language pairs uh, to our TMS, and we able to use the language Weaver engine to process uh, translations in the workflows in the TMS. But we also spun up the web portal uh, that we branded the Roland Translator it's Language Weaver. And of course, that's entirely about internal uh, communications. And that was what I'd missed. And it was, it you know, one, once I locked into it, it just seemed so obvious. And I felt, as I say, it, honestly, I felt somewhat foolish that I'd missed it. But we live to see another day. Um, and what I recognized was that we, you know, we were a Japanese company. Almost all of our engineering is in Japan. There's been so much effort and so much pain over years in engineers having to muscle through their own translations of Japanese to English or English to Japanese to kind of articulate a product idea, a product notion, and see if there is some buy-in, some energy in other parts of the company. People like me, I would be on the receiving end of that with my product focus. And not only did that introduce layers of effort but it was it introduced latency in our communications uh, uh as well because something that could be you know if it was just all english to english or you know all japanese to japanese okay document finished little checked everything's fine send it and then i'm waiting for the feedback but now we've got this layer of painful not very high quality uh, a translation of these internal documents, which yeah, it introduces latency, but it also introduces risk because there could be all kinds of misunderstanding because the quality of the translation was lower because it's largely engineers that aren't linguists that are doing this and uh, and using whatever yeah the the language barrier absolutely and so then I realized oh this this could be a massive gift to the organization. This could be um, a a paradigm shift, a game change, in terms of how we communicate internally. And then of course, we start to unlock some of the features like full document, translation, content insights, uh, which I love, by the way, you get five reports sent to you an hour before a meeting, and to be able to summarize them, uh, you know, that quickly, uh, using using language weaver is amazing. Anyway, so we started testing and we actually put as some of our early test groups, some of our engineering teams, and um, we had people that were almost crying, but they were so happy uh, with you know being able to upload a PowerPoint in Japanese, translate it to English, get something back that is 95% ready to send along, maybe a couple of small tweaks to the layout to accommodate the different character sizes and string sizes, and that was it. And that's been transformative. So global within the company, that's been a, a, a real transformation uh, uh, for us.
0: I mean, I think that's a great definition of global understanding. It, you, as you say, internal, external, doesn't really matter as long as you're accomplishing understanding across all audiences. And I guess, would I be uh, correct in assuming? I mean, my, my supposition would be the more... Aligned, you can be internally in your communications. Obviously, the more aligned your CX efforts to your customers are going to be as a natural kind of externality of that internal alignment. You know, the ability to speak in one voice because you all actually understand each other. You understand each other's point of views. You all understand the goals that you're trying to accomplish and how you are trying to reach your customers. So, to your point, you know i think if i could summarize what you're saying which i think is a great point by the way and one that we probably haven't even talked about enough as a company ourselves is that unlocking global understanding within is what allows you to
1: unlock it with from without right like outside of your organization i think it's absolutely consequential and i will um to add to that uh, you know you, you yourself have mentioned the word communication many times uh in this in this talk and you know i need to remind myself many times that especially when we have got our marketing hats on we think in terms of communicating being outbound so i've you know i'm i've prepared a campaign and i'm delivering a campaign to target segments um and i'm you know I'm, i'm measuring the engagement uh with the assets uh and trying to you know attribute to conversion points and and but, you know, real communication is when we say something and we get an acknowledgement back and we get information back and then we start this engagement, right, this back and forth. And so, you know, absolutely, these investments are about localizing our story so that it is more meaningful, more emotional, and more digestible by more people around the world. Absolutely. And we're on a continuum. We've got lots of work and lots of growth to do in, in, in getting that right. But it's also about recognizing the voice of the customer and sometimes the customers ourselves inside the companies we just talked about, but recognizing the voice of the customer and bringing that in, in a way and understanding it in a way that that understanding can then be applied and that could be applied to improving a service, uh, introducing something new, informing product development, recognizing excellence, recognizing weakness, but that's really, really critical. And and I think the language weaver um and, and our other tools, but here primarily language weaver are absolutely integral to gaining that understanding of the voice of the customer and recognizing the customer accurately.
0: Yeah, I think that it's funny because I understanding is the thing that you're trying to so often accomplish in communications, right? Because as you say, it should be a two-way street having a back and forth. But the goal, I think for both sides, at least if it's a positive communication, is to achieve understanding. And you don't always achieve that in communications, but when communications go right, you do. And so to your point, voice of the customer is so important. So, And I love the fact that you guys are using technology, but also just thinking about language the language of your customers in getting that feedback in from them to make sure that you're hearing from all of your customers, not just the customers who happen to speak the language that your engineers speak or to speak the language that your customers over here in the States speak, right? That that's That's the beauty of having a good localization platform in place and having a good approach to CX and unlocking that global understanding. I think we're about out of time. But, I just wanted to give you an opportunity if you wanted to mention anything else that we haven't had a chance to talk about. but it's been a wonderful conversation so far.
1: Well, uh, no, I think we've kind of covered uh, a lot of a lot of what our focus has been. Uh, you know, I will say that you know we far from arrived at anywhere. we've We're confident that we've invested in some of the right tools and technologies, and from that uh, have have started to build the corrected disciplines for communicating out and in understanding from under, you know, not, and not just what we're saying, but what we mean in all of that as well. Right. A uh, court of understanding. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got a, a, a world of growth uh, a- ahead of us. Yeah. You know, and, and I will say somewhat self-serving, you know, when we talk about communicating music, is the universal language of communication and uh definitely so if anybody has been listening and they've heard the name roland come up a few times and you feel so inclined to lean in a little bit www.roland.com or www.boss.info or www-v-moda.com and um yeah take a step forward lean into it a little bit go beyond listening and, and try and experience music-making. You can experience music-making on your mobile phone. Uh, it doesn't have to be sitting down at a, at a concert grand piano. Um, you can load up an app like Zen Beats and, and just start to interact with music in a new way. You might surprise yourself with just how fun and how healthy it is.
0: I will personally completely plug the Roland drum set that I use. Its attention to the experience is just really great because it feels... When I hit the snare pad, it feels as if I'm hitting a real snare drum, which I think is really amazing. And I completely agree. Music is a language. It's one of the best languages. And uh, it's a way that you can communicate without ever using words, but yet you are communicating, right? So, um Completely agree with that. Profoundly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, music has been unlocking global understanding for a lot longer than RWS or Roland, but uh, I think we can we can live it, leave it there.
1: Um, That's a good place to finish.
0: Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. And uh, everybody else, stay tuned for future um, editions of Globally Speaking. And uh, Paul, thank you so much. And we'll talk to our audience in the near future. Thank you.
1: Thank you.